one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay you have your bible and i call your attention please to uh, mark chapter 6 and verse 52 now somebody said if i could see some miracles that jesus performed or if i could walk with him like they walk with him i guarantee you i'd believe well, I don't know, unless you were different from them, you wouldn't. I mean, uh, when he got ready to go to the cross, wasn't anybody showed up. What about all those people that saw his miracles? What about the Bible and the place over in the book of John chapter 6 where he said that many went back and walked with him no more. They turned back. And he said, will you also go away? And one minute left, he said, Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life in the sixth chapter of the book of Mark. I do not believe that our faith needs to hinge on what we see. Faith doesn't go by what it sees. No, sir. For they considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now turn to the sixth chapter of John. We're going to be in three books in the sixth chapter in each book. And in the sixth chapter of the book of John, in verse 26, we find these words. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles. I didn't get you to seek me, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Now, as much as people might want to see a miracle, unless you're right with the Lord, you'd rather have a square meal than to see a miracle, a spiritual miracle. If the Lord can choose and deign to hear my prayer, I'm so glad, but I'll tell you one thing. I dare not take any of the credit or the glory because we got so many people praying for the work. Of course, I think we're going to get some real surprises when we get to heaven. I think some of the little unsung heroes are going to be so loaded down with trophies till you can't hardly see them. I mean, they're going to have medals. They're going to have oak leaf clusters. And nobody ever heard of them. Somebody said, well, look at that little old woman. She lived in my community. She's the poorest thing I... Well, you never hear anything about her. Oh, I know it, but heaven heard about her. I mean, she knocked on the gates every day. And I mean, she was an intercessory prayer warrior. She stayed in that prayer closet. She didn't have to come out. When you see people like that standing before the Lord, and maybe a 1,000 or 10,000 or maybe 100,000 souls waiting to hug her neck to thank her for helping win them to Christ, because when you get there, you're going to know who had a part in it. You'll know whether your mother prayed for you or not. You'll know... Uh, who preached the message and you'll know the people and it might be somebody way out telling that you never heard of in your life but they prayed for this work they never saw you never saw them but he said you didn't come over here because you saw the miracle but you saw the loaves and were filled now then what did he say labor not for the meat you mean loaves or meat i guess they must have been labor not for the meat which perisheth but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man 
shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do? It's a good question. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. I want to show you how stupid and blind and dumb they are. They've just had a big meal, didn't he? Didn't he just feed all of them? He said, won't you show us a sign? Show you a sign. You just got through seeing the sign. Have you forgotten about it? Notice what they said in the world says this, that we may see and believe. Brother, that's not God's plan. The Bible says if thou wouldst believe, thou should see. The world said let me see and I'll believe. They'll never get it like that. Now I'll have to admit that I've seen enough. I've seen enough to convince me. But dear friends, I believe that most of the things that I've seen, I believed before I saw. That's God's plan. That's the way he has it. All right. Now then, would you like to turn with me, please, to the book of Judges? To the book of Judges. And that's also chapter 6. Mark 6, John 6, Judges 6. Now, this is the story of the country boy that I mentioned in the earlier message. Verse 11, There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abia's right, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. They were in great distress. The Bible said his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Have you ever noticed that God always calls busy people? They were busy right where they were, in great demand right where they were. I mean, plenty of work right where they were. God called Gideon. He was busy. He was busy. Even little old David, he was keeping the sheep. I mean, he was down in the pasture. They had to call him out of the pasture and said, Son, come up here. The oil man's here, and he wants to look at you. Little old David came in there and slingshot hanging out of his right hip pocket, imagine, pocket full of grasshoppers and rocks or something, you know. And he looked at him and walked by, and God said, oil him up. I mean, bust your oil bottle on him. That's him right there. <laughs> but he was busy. He was busy. And I tell you this one thing you'll have to say for David. He had a soldier's heart. And that little old boy, he was thrilled when his dad told him one night, before he went to bed, I imagine David went to bed at night and dreamed about the battle and the battlefront and the enemy and everything else. And one night his dad said, Son, would you like to go up to the uh, war zone for me and see how they're getting along? Oh, I really would. I don't think he slept a wink at night. I think he could just see the enemy falling right in front of him. He said, I'd be glad to go. And so he didn't leave his slingshot either, did he? I mean, he went on up. He had that slingshot in his pocket. He didn't get up there without his gun. Before he got there, you know what happened, don't you, girls? He heard old Goliath up there. You talk about cursing. Ooh, he was profaning the name of the Lord. He was threatening everybody, stomping, rearing, and spitting, and carrying on, and just dishonoring God. And David was all ready to go to war when he got up there and saw his brothers. And he said to his big old brothers, he said, somebody, 
Rita needs to take care of that loggerhead up there. I mean, why don't y'all kill him? Did you hear what he said about our God? They said, yeah, but did you notice how big he was? Did you notice that he's nine feet tall and more? You realize that his armor weighs more than you do, little stripling? Well, he said, don't make any difference to me. I mean, how big he is. He's against God, and I believe God can handle him. Well, they, that is faith, wasn't it? I mean, it looked so stupid for little David to jump on Goliath, and he had to get a permit from the king. I mean, they said, listen, I imagine the commanding officer said, son, let me tell you something, Sonny boy, I don't know what you're doing up here. But he said, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not going to let you go up there and let him jerk your head off. I'm not going to let him whittle you to pieces with his carving knife uh, without the permit. You'll have to go see the king. Now, if you want to fight him, you can fight him, but you're going to have to get a permit from the king. And they took him up to King Saul. And Saul said, son, what you want? Well, he said, I want to go to fight that old giant up yonder. Why, he said, sonny boy, you don't really. Oh, yes, he said, I do. Sonny boy, no, sonny boy. He said, I want to go fight him. You see, he'd already had two big experiences. Had he remember that out in the pasture? You remember what he did? That lion come rolling up that canyon one day and <laughs> planting on the lamb chops. <laughs> I don't believe even a lion would eat pork chops. <laughs> I apologize to the lions for that. All right. But David said, you mean you got lamb chops on your menu for breakfast? He said, yes, sir. Said, I'm going after him. Said, whereabouts? Said, right out there in your flock. You know what happened, don't you? He killed him. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. And that got him ready, didn't it? And David went home, and he didn't even tell his dad. As far as I'm concerned, he missed his opportunity to shine. I tell you, I know, knowing me like I know me, I'd had both of them mounted. Wouldn't you? Huh? I'd have stuck them things up on the wall, and everybody come out and said, Say, you see that bear killed? Oh, yeah, I killed him. Said, How'd you do? I choked him to death. <laughs> well, that'd be something. That's right. Oh, me. We're so full of ourselves. Little old David. Now, wait a minute. He's getting ready to kill Goliath. See, you don't brag about things like that. You give God the glory. But there was a time when that came in handy. David looked up and saw the old giant up there spitting and a fighting and a cussing and a raising cane and, and shaking his fist in the face of God's children. He's all down there trembling in their boots. And he said, Lord, I just happened to think that time. You remember that morning? That old lion came up and Dad told me to keep those sheep. And I said, I'll do it if it kills me. And I told that lion he couldn't have one of my lambs for breakfast. And you gave me the strength. I know where strength came from. I wasn't supposed to kill that lion. I killed him. And I know you must have done it. You remember that bear came up there and killed that bear and God was getting him ready. What did he do? David saw some miracles. I mean, there was two miracles in his life before the third miracle ever transpired. Did you know that? He met the most vicious two animals there are in the wilderness. He met the lion, the king of the forest. And he met the big old bear and killed both of them. Just a lad. Now then, that strengthened his faith. I mean, David was living in the land of miracles. He was ready for the giant. And then you know what happened. He got him five stones and his slingshot. And he said to the giant, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. God gave him the victory. All right? Now then, the giant was a victim of a miraculous faith on the part of David. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, verse 12, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of 
the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Now, I'll not go into the signs that God let him see, but this is the one thing that I want you to see. His father and grandfather had told him about the miracles of coming out of Egypt. And when the angel of the Lord came down and said, Hail thou mighty man of valor, the Lord is with thee, he said, Where be the miracles of our fathers? If God was with them and there was miracles performed, then you said, God is with thee, thou mighty man of valor, then where are the miracles? And the angel said, They're just fixing to start again. We're fixing to have some miracles. And I tell you, I'd like to strengthen the faith of our people to know that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And when the word comes and goes to work, it performs miracles every time. Why, I wouldn't tell you that I couldn't be fooled because I just want to believe everybody, don't you? I mean, I don't want to doubt anybody. I'm not going to say, well, I think you're just a hypocrite. That's all. No, no. I just got a joy. And you'll have to prove to me your insincerity before I'll ever believe it. But you'll never fool God. You'll never fool him. I'll guarantee he knows exactly what's transpired in every little old heart. And he's the one that's keeping the record. I'm not. But I'd like to believe that every one of you just enjoyed being obedient to Jesus. And you're going to get the blessing. You're going to grow more than you've ever grown before because you did what he told you to do. All right? Would you go back with me, please, to the book of John, chapter 3. This is the new birth chapter. And I'm sure I've preached it, but I saw it in chapter 3 and verse 2. Now, you know the man by the name of Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night. He was a ruler of the Jews. He said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Now, that's not enough. You'll go to hell believing that. Jesus got to be more than a teacher. You can say, well, I know he must be a prophet. He must be a prophet. He got to be more than a prophet. Woman at the well said, you must be a prophet. No, he said, thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles. That's it right there. That's a great statement. No man can do miracles. That's the reason I said in my first message on miracles, I've never performed a miracle in my life. And I've got another verse under that, I'll never perform a miracle. Lester Olaf will never perform a miracle. Never. And I want the whole world to know, and I want my heavenly Father to know and I want our blessed Savior to know and the Holy Spirit to know that the only miracle that's ever been performed is what he performed through this hand right here. This hand was born in sin. This hand has been a disobedient hand. And only God could take this hand and perform a miracle with it. No man doeth miracles. You think highly of Jesus Christ. Oh, I want you to believe in him and look to him. He never changes. I've seen people change. I knew him when. I knew him when. I knew him before compromise ever came upon him to paralyze his ministry. Yes, I tell you, don't ever turn back on the light that God's given you while you're here. Doesn't make any difference what mother and dad say. And you know me. I believe in being obedient to mother and dad. I believe in loving mother and dad. 
But if your dad smokes or your mother smokes, that doesn't give you any permit to smoke. If your dad and mother do not live close to Jesus Christ, that gives you no permit to do it. You may be their only hope of living so much like Jesus that they'd get saved. When we said, do you have a loved one? Every girl, I mean most of the girls, beat it to the altar because they know their friends and loved ones, many of whom are not saved. You're going to be just like that little girl over there with the king. Naaman, that precious little girl, she was the only hope of him ever getting healed. He'd been to every doctor that the king could send him to. I mean, he was the most powerful man, mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. King Naaman was a leper. And that little unsung, unnamed, captured Jew girl said to Ms. Naaman one day, I believe in miracles. She said, you believe in what? I believe in miracles. Well, said, where would we go to get one performed? Said, have to go to my preacher. He's down there in Israel. I know whatever he prays for comes to pass. And she said, you don't understand, do you, honey? See, he has leprosy. Did you know there's no known cure for leprosy? Well, she said, that's what I'm talking about. It's going to take a miracle. And she said, well, you better go make up the beds now and <laughs> vacuum the carpet or something. I mean, you stay busy. Don't tell me because, see, we've had him to the best doctors in the land. I'll never be able to touch my husband again because he's got leprosy. And I imagine tears started rolling. She said, my little children will never sit in his lap. He'll never get to lift one of our little children again. See, he's going to have to die, honey. He wouldn't have to die if he got down to that preacher down there that I know about. And I mean, I think she witnessed and testified. Now, why don't you girls go home and talk to mother and daddy like that? I mean, why don't y'all just go live like you believe in miracles? I wouldn't give you a dime for a preacher didn't believe in miracles. The preacher said, well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't believe in miracles. I said, don't worry. You're not going to perform any. I mean, you won't see any. See? Somebody said, well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't believe it. I will not believe it. You'll never see it either. And if it did come to pass, you wouldn't believe it. Mother told her husband one day, maybe he's outside the fence and looks alone in his hide and he's cracking open and his skin had already cracked and he was growing weaker by the day, just like a person with cancer and the disease of the flesh. Every doctor had been hold of him and the king had spent a fortune trying to get him well because he's his best general. The mother said, I, I don't know whether you think much about this or not. You know this little girl, the little Jewish maid we got here in the house? Yes, said, I know about her. Said, what about her? Well, said, uh, she just declares. I mean, she's sold on. She just won't let me alone. I mean, she's just pestered me to death saying that there's somebody down in Israel get you well if you go down there. Well, he said, I'll go. I guess I will go. He went to the king. The king said, why, well, I guess so. You load Joe buggy. Uh, you load that carriage with gifts and clothes and gold and silver. And listen, I mean, there's no price we won't pay for your life. If there's a chance to get you healed, brother, we're going to search out every possible known remedy and said, get on down there. And he got in that big carriage and he went down to the king. Isn't that just like an old sinner? He goes to the wrong place every time he gets saved. He'd go to the church, and he'd go to baptism. He'd run over to Virgin Mary and say, Blessed Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now in the hour of our death. Miss it every time. He'd go to the priest and said, I've sinned. And the priest said, I now absolve thee from thy sin. Lies every time he says it. He may be sincere, but he can't forgive sin anymore than I can. Brother, we've got one high priest, and that's Jesus. But that's the way old Naaman, he went the wrong one. And you know what happened, don't you? The king got mad. He said, what are you? He knew he was a great general. He said, so the king has sent you down here to pick a fight. Is that right? 
You mean you want to have another war? Well, bud, you've got it coming. If that's the way. And he said, no. He said, I'm a dying man. I've got leprosy. And finally, the old preacher heard about it. He knew about it. He believed in miracles, you see. And so he sent a servant up and said, tell him, come on down here to me. He's at the wrong place. So here he goes. He got in that big carriage and started down there. And, and the preacher missed a great opportunity, didn't he? The preacher didn't come out and see him, did he? Told his servant, Gehazi, I said, tell him to go jump in the creek. <laughs> Boy, that's some rude, isn't it? He told him, said, go dip. How many times? Seven times. I used to preach on seven ducks in a muddy pond. <laughs> well, he said, go tell him to duck seven times and go under seven times. Well, what did the sinner think about it? What did old think about it? Got mad. Ah, did he blow a fuse. I mean, he was mad. He said, what? He said, did you tell him that I'm Captain Naaman? Did you tell him that I'm the one that's led all these armies to victory and he ought to be out here bowing and scraping to me? Didn't make the preacher no difference. He's in a prayer meeting. I tell you, I get ashamed. Do you ever get ashamed of trying to make impressions on certain people, huh? Come on. I tell you, that preacher, he never did come out. He said, I tell you, there's some finer water up yonder and some rivers that'd be a lot cleaner, and I'm not going. Why? He said, I'm not going to dip in the river, Jordan. No, sir. One of his servants came up to him and said, say, just a minute, Your Honor. He said, if he had told you to do something real hard and difficult, would you have done it? Like uh, defeat a whole army? Oh, he said, yes. Is that, that's what he tells me to do. I'll do it. Isn't that just like an old sinner? I'll do something big for my salvation. I'm not going to just humble myself and get down on my knees and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. I ain't that bad myself. I'm no reprobate. That's what you think. You wait till God reveals your real character. You'll be two reprobates. Come on, who you think you are anyhow? Nothing but a rotten, stinking sinner. That's all any of us were. We need Jesus. And he said, yes, I'd do something hard. He said, all right. Why wouldn't you do something simple? It sometimes takes more courage to do something simple than it does difficult and hard. And little is much when God is in it. And God's plans are always simple. Just like all of you. And you get so thoughtless sometimes, you're not willing. And God's not going to let you do anything big until he lets you do something little. If you've been unfaithful in that which is least, he'll never trust you with much. You've got to learn that. Boot camp days are the most vital days for a soldier. If you bust the boot camp, you've had it. If you can't be loyal in the boot camp, you'll never be a soldier on the battlefield. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To add the affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials his multiplied peace. When we've exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength is failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary known 
unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again.